Whenever I watch the news, this is what comes to mind. It's a mad, 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 mad world. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. I've come to conclude if the stakes were not so high and the danger so imminent, the things that come out of people's mouths today in government, I hate to say it, even in some law enforcement agencies in places like Australia, it would be a farce comedy. It would be total insanity. This is slapstick. This is craziness on the world stage posing as normalcy. I've been watching for the past six years the world go crazier and crazier and crazier. They're going absolutely mad. Think about this for a moment. And let's go back to maybe like uh, 1996, 25 years ago. How many people 25 years ago expected to see things like same-sex marriage being normalized in the United States? How many people thought that something like transgenderism and having schools tell your kids it's all right to decide to be a girl if you're a boy or a boy if you're a girl and you don't need to tell your parents and we'll help you get the help you need to make this transition? How many people in the United States would have thought that our military with the finest equipment in the world, or at least that's what we are told, would exit Afghanistan and leave behind a total and absolute train wreck of a disaster that's going to cost people their lives? And yet earlier this week, those from the Defense Department They sat there in front of the United States Senate Committee and tried to polish it over our wonderful troops. And we just didn't expect and they don't don't want to take responsibility. They want to pass the buck or say we can't talk about that. Here in the United States, the last time we legitimately won a war was something like 76 years ago at the end of the Second World War. Korea was an unfinished police action, and Vietnam was a total disaster, as it fell in 1975, 46 years ago. Maybe Grenada was a success. I I don't consider Desert Storm a success. We've left that region more unstable with our meddling over the years. And now we have an administration that's trying to resurrect John Kerry's deal with Iran. By the time this weekend is over, I wouldn't be surprised if Iran had enough nuclear material made to have their first bomb. Something that The world hoped and prayed would never happen. The incompetence of the administration currently that stole the office of the presidency of the United States in power right now is going to allow Iran to become a nuclear 
power. The worst part is this same administration listening to some very sick voices in in the House of Representatives and of even a few in the United States Senate is gradually turning its back on our only real ally in the Middle East, Israel. And I think there's going to be a price to pay very soon for turning our back on that nation. Now, I'm not saying that Israel today is a good and godly nation. I'm not saying that at all. There's a lot of very sinful and secular aspects to the nation of Israel. Yet I'm also a believer that God is a total and absolute promise keeper. He doesn't lie. And anybody that says that God has abandoned Israel is calling God a liar. Let me say that again. I'm going to be extremely explicit because I've had to really weigh on this for years and pray it through. Just because Israel is a fallen nation today doesn't mean that God has negated and revoked his eternal promise to them. He doesn't do that. That's not the nature of our merciful and wonderful God. Even though they are errant, even though they officially have rejected the lordship of his son, Jesus Christ, the promise still holds. And anybody that tells you otherwise is a liar, a fool, and is leading you astray. So let's just get that out of the way up front. I know some people disagree with that. I know people that have ministries and and they have changed their mind and now they're anti-Israel, anti-Semitic, and they become fanatical nutcases. And they are making a mockery of God's promises to his chosen people. Face it, if you're a Christian, you've been grafted in according to the Bible, according to what St. Paul says, we have been grafted into that tree of life. God didn't cut that tree down and burn it and start over, we're grafted in. The sooner we recognize that, the better off we're going to be. Now, does that mean that they always do the right thing? Of course not. How many Christians always do the right thing? Hey, look at the United States, the so-called Christian nation. Look how far we have fallen in the past 50 years. We are now a majority unbelieving, godless nation. I'll remind you again, the United States today, Canada today, Australia today, the United Kingdom today, Germany today, France today, Italy today, Sweden today, go all across Europe, choose a country. that was a part of the Western world. Pretty much majority non-believer. Here in the United States, we finally have tipped where the majority, 53%, have no tie to anything religious or otherwise. And I don't count this nonsense of, oh, I'm spiritual but not religious. Nonsense. That's a cop-out.
The majority of people in the United States today, 53 plus percent and probably growing faster than we would like to admit, have nothing to do with anything religious at all. And of the 47% that do, and this 47% is not just Christianity, it includes mosques and it includes Jewish synagogues, it includes, uh, you know, Scientology and a pile of cults, including Unitarian Universalism. And of course, mainstream Protestant churches in the United States that once, 50, 70, 100, 150 years ago, actually stood for something, taught biblical truth, and brought people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross to be your redeemer for your sin. How many Episcopal churches, Presbyterian churches, Methodist churches, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, just to name four, and maybe the Disciples of Christ and others, how many of their congregations have walked away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ and mock it, reject it, have ripped it apart, reinvented it, just like it says in Timothy, in the Bible, heaping upon themselves teachers with their burning and itching ears. They want to hear what they want to hear. They want to hear that their same-sex marriage is blessed by God. I was reading somewhere about this so-called preacher talking about his queerness. I'm going to come out and say he's proud of his queerness and thinks that his queerness gives him redemption with God. And it doesn't matter what is written in the scripture. See, he's one of those people that kind of pick and choose what they want to believe from the New Testament in particular. I can understand freedom from the law in the Old Testament, but there are things that are very clearly stated in the New Testament. And they're being rejected out of hand. And so they celebrate their sin rather than ask for redemption, forgiveness, and restoration. We don't have confession of sin in most churches any longer. And in too many of the woke, non-Christian, formerly Christian churches, wokeness is now the new religion. It's all about social justice, and that's the only sin you can ever commit is something against social justice. Have you ever heard of an organization called the Gospel Coalition? Let me say that again. It is called the Gospel Coalition. Now, on the surface, it all sounds really good. Man, the gospel, the coalition, people getting along to do Jesus' work on this earth. Don't be fooled by the name. There's a program they had called Q Ideas, and it's heavily promoted 
by this so-called evangelical, I don't know what they're evangelical about, it's certainly not the real gospel of Jesus Christ, but this, quote, gospel coalition, which really would fit the definition that St. Paul gives of another gospel, which is a which is not the gospel. Here you got Matt Chandler. Types like Matt Chandler, Ed Stessler, David Pratt, Russell Moore, and many others, they promote this gospel coalition. And here is this program that they were doing called, called Q Ideas. And here's one of their participants in one of their video sessions. Listen carefully to what he has to say, and then listen to what the response of the audience is right after he makes his statement. Matt, you look like you're ready to talk. So tell us a bit about your uh, tell us a bit about your journey. Yeah, um, I'm Matt. Thank you so much for being here. I am gay, same sex attracted. I like boys, and um, what's more important is that I love Jesus, and Jesus loves me. And you hear that a lot today. This newly created idea of what Jesus is. This bundle of happiness and love. I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. Yet you don't love his word. You don't obey his commandments. And you have not subjected yourself or yielded yourself unto the Lord Jesus Christ. You've made him your buddy, your friend, the guy that's going to give you the get into heaven free card and still let me be unrepentant for the rest of my life. Over the last few weeks, I've been talking a lot. God has just laid on my heart for the last several weeks this idea of total delusion that is finding its way across the globe today. The United States, in my opinion, is coming under God's judgment when you have the majority of people have fallen away, and then I would say the majority of that so-called religious minority, remember, we'll just say the majority of the remaining 47% that claim to be involved with some kind of religious organization, institution, whether you want to call it a church, a mosque, or a meeting place, I don't care. I would say from what I have seen firsthand. The majority of those that claim to belong to some kind of church, they are not true believers. In other words, we are down now to what I consider the remnant church, period. I can't can't say it any other way. And we've allowed it to happen in this nation. We've gotten lazy in our faith. We don't spend any time in God's word. I understand the past year has been difficult because of government sanctionings against going to churches. I understand that. And I've seen brave pastors be thrown down to the ground, handcuffed and hauled away for daring to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, and give honor unto the Father. 
and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. There, there is no, this, this is not an accident that churches, and I want to make this very clear, that churches were more discriminated against than almost any other thing you can imagine in society. Some of the craziest rules all over the world, including the United States. You know, there were, there were cases where, in New York, for example, Chicago, and other cities, where if Christians dared to try to worship, they sent the police out like stormtroopers to break it up. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who has no redemption in her, and I say that not as a judgment, but from her own words, her own deeds, and her own actions. I'm just observing what is blatantly obvious. She was so determined to shut down this one particular church she had rumor was going to try to meet that she ordered the police department to go out about service time and every car parked on the street to tow it away. (laughs) Problem was, none of those cars belonged to anybody involved with that church. She was so determined to... To stop that church, she towed cars away and impounded them, only to find out later they belonged to people that lived in the neighborhood who were at home. That is the kind of evil we're fighting today in government here in the United States, in Canada, the United Kingdom, all over the world. And then I look at Australia. We have listeners to this program in Australia, and God bless every one of you with what you're going through. And I'll talk to people in Australia. One of my friends is a member of parliament. He's been on this program, George Christensen. And he shared what is happening in Australia. And and these videos coming out are not just disturbing. They are out and out alarming. They're scary. You have the police. And I can't believe these officers of the law are behaving and following these illegitimate, ill-advised, satanic orders from their leadership, throwing people to the ground with no mercy. I watched one guy strangling and choking a woman because she didn't have her face mask on, though she had a medical exemption not to wear one. Two officers, and she's trying to fight back. She can't breathe. This is despicable. It is sick. It is satanic. In fact, this whole virus has satanic origins. I'll be getting into that in just a few minutes. But I want to finish up with the fact we have dead churches all over the world. Wonderful buildings. Many with stained glass windows. A history. A pipe organ. Beautiful vestments. And all they are doing They're putting vestments on dead and rotting corpses that have given their souls to Satan. Teaching a false and phony gospel to the world. You think about what you just heard from the Gospel Coalition and their Q ideas. Heavily promoted. And you've got all these superstar pastors that people like from these mega churches. One by one, I'm watching way too many of these so-called Bible-believing megachurches begin to capitulate 
and cheapen the gospel, explain a few things away, and look the other way when it comes to sin. They don't want to ask people to repent anymore. They don't want to lose anybody. They can't afford to lose anything in the offering plate, especially after this past year. And so you become more tolerant, far more tolerant of sin. You know, the Bible says, never allow sin in the camp. Ever heard that expression? You can read about it in the book of uh, Joshua in the Old Testament, where the army and the people of God have sinned. They transgressed against God's covenant. They took devoted things, things that did not belong to them. They stole them. They lied. They put them among their own belongings. And that's why God said to Joshua, your armies can never win anymore because you have sin in the camp. You have to give up your evil, your idols, and these things you're now devoting yourself to You must consecrate yourselves. That's what the Lord God says. Consecrate yourself because you'll never be able to stand up to your enemies until you take these things, these devoted things you now have from among you. Get the sin out of the camp. (laughs) Look at the United States today. We've had nothing but sin in the camp for most of my entire lifetime in our politics and rapidly growing within what we call our churches. Something else that St. Paul says to young Timothy, do not be hasty in laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Now we have churches that Okay, so you're just shacking up and living together. (laughs) Well, you're still welcome here. Same-sex attraction. We'll look the other way. I can go down the entire list of things like uh, worshiping the creature or the creation over worshiping the creator. That's something really running rampant in the halls of government. And it's being taught as a gospel, not the gospel, as a gospel today in the public schools all across the world, increasingly here in the United States. Here's one of the problems I see, and this is in the church. And once again, the Bible spoke to it centuries ago. St. Paul writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, It is reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that's not even tolerated among pagans. Let me say that again. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not even tolerated among pagans. What arrogance. And St. Paul is reminding them strongly. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are to deliver this man to Satan. 
for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. We don't do that anymore. We don't call sin out anymore. And we wonder why God's hand of blessing is so far gone from the United States. We wonder how a virus, a man-made virus, I might add, how this bioweapon gets released because you have evil, dishonorable people. I'm going to come out and say it. You have evil and dishonorable people that decided to create a biological weapon. I can remember back a year ago when this new pandemic virus first started. I came out of retirement, went to work in emergency management, and stumbled across some stuff that is now hard to find. The first SARS virus, call it SARS-CoV-1. It's back around 2002 to 2004 or 5. It was a severe acute respiratory syndrome disease. It was a coronavirus. It did kill some people. It was moderately infectious. But it snuffed itself out because it was really a bat coronavirus that could affect some people. So what happened between, I don't know, 2004, 2005, all the way up to 2017, 18, and 19? People started playing with these viruses and trying to figure out how to make them more infectious to human beings. Isn't that delightful? How do we take this virus from the animal kingdom and turn it into a bioweapon against human beings? you got a virus that's 80% the same, yet it has spike proteins. Listen carefully. I'm keeping this very simple. This is no conspiracy theory. This is what they, they admit openly. These spike proteins that they try to let convince us just naturally occurred that makes them more infectious to humans to enter a cell and then a virus continues to replicate. And so here we are. People, and I'm going to say this because it is so obviously true, the record is there. People like Dr. Anthony Fauci, the ultimate bureaucrat. People like Dr. Ralph Barrick, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Peter Daszak, a zoologist with a non-governmental organization called the EcoHealth Alliance. Funneled money and research into China to create these deadly viruses. Why do you think they're so scared and they're so concerned about eradicating this thing from the face of the earth? It kind of explains the reprobate minds out there and their fear because, see, a true reprobate mind is afraid of death because that's the end. And so these reprobates or some that actually believe they'll somehow go to heaven because they're nice people, like Nancy Pelosi. doesn't matter that we support and pay for the killing of children in the womb. 
That nice priest, when I die, will throw a bunch of holy water on me and kind of push me in. Don't count on it. We are a fallen nation. And we are getting to the point that we're running out of room on 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I don't see that happening in the United States. I don't see that happening under this reprobate administration we have. I don't see that in the majority of the House of Representatives in the halls of Congress. And that includes a lot of these so-called conservatives. They're just as secular. They're just as bad. They're nothing but swamp creatures that enjoy their power and play a game of good cop, bad cop to get elected. We're facing a time of God's judgment. And we have this virus running across the world. And we have all these leaders. The other day I shared with you the governor of New York. Now, some of you only hear the program on the weekend. And she was speaking at some kind of a church in New York City. And she's all about getting vaccinated. And I want you to hear carefully what she had to say. And then I'm going to let you know the real truth. And you know what? God did answer our prayers. He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors, the researchers. He made them come up with a vaccine. That is from God to us. Well, I'm sorry, Governor, but I have to disagree. It was the smart scientists and the researchers and these people that created the virus that is killing people to begin with. And how you could think for one moment that vaccines that are using aborted fetal lines can be blessed by Almighty God shows how little you know about God's word. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. I'm sorry, Governor Cottrell, but I can't agree with you on this. None of it. Everything you just said is a blatant lie. God didn't give us a vaccine. Evil men gave us a virus. And they had to use a vaccine created by doing things that go contrary to God's word to make these things. And you're out there telling people, you have to take this vaccine. I demand you put this in your body or you're going to lose your job and you can't get unemployment. I'll make sure you starve. I'm going to force you to take this vaccine even though we don't have any idea of what the long-term effects might be. I think the state of New York was better off with Andrew Cuomo, and that's not saying much. The former Empire State of New York is becoming increasingly a socialist and satanic sewer. The good people in New York that live in the upstate regions that I know of and many good Christian people, it's time to get out from among them and do not touch the unclean 
thing. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Just a quick update. We head off to our Florida residence uh, next week. Keep my wife and myself in in your prayers as we make this journey. It's you know it's going to take an overnight because we have to bring our small dogs and and the other car. We're gonna we're not sure how long we're going to be in Florida. I'm sure it'll be for a few months. And, and with that in mind, I made a decision the other day uh, that we needed to have an address we could use, especially over the course of this next year where mail can safely go and catch up to us wherever we may be. It's going to be a very intense time. Hey, by the way, one good thing I'm looking forward to, I get to perform another wedding for a family member while I'm in Florida. That'll come up at the end of October. But we now have a mailing address, and and I'm going to give you the new address. You can still use the old one. If you sent something out, don't worry. It's going to catch up with us just fine. Uh, Over the next 10 days, everything is pretty well taken care of to ensure that. But I'm going to give you our new mailing address, and it's going to take a while for me to get used to it as well. You can write to Truth to Ponder, and it's going to be 5753. That's 5753 Highway 85 North. Once again, Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, and there is a box number, a secure box, which is 3248. That's 3248. Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248 in Crestview. That's one word, Crestview, Florida. And the zip code is 32536. That's Crestview, Florida, 32536. One more time, then we got to get to our break. Truth to Ponder, 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248, Crestview, Florida, 32536. The Fatherless Quran. Shalom Aleichem, this is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. In ancient mystery, the Quran is explained by the Bible. That's right. In Genesis, Abraham sends his son Ishmael away. And so to Ishmael, he lost the birthright. He lost his father. Abraham, he lost the God of Abraham. And so the children of Ishmael... They are the Arabs, and from the Arabs comes Islam. The Quran is the book of Islam. Now, did you know in the Quran, of all the titles of God in Islam, in the Quran, not one is the Father. They can't see God as Father. They can't call him Father. Islam sees God as severe and distant and far off and cold. Why? It goes back to Genesis. Ishmael felt cut off from the Father. He couldn't know the Father. And it affected all Arab history and Islam. But you know, it's not just Muslims. It happens to believers, too. The Bible clearly speaks of God as a loving father to you if you are born again. Yet a lot of believers know that doctrinally, but not in their lives, not really deep in their heart. They spend their walks, their lives trying to prove their worthiness as if God were only a judge and or only an employer that you have to work for. Or they live their lives in fear as if there was no father to protect them or greed or, or anger or worry as if there was no father loving them, as if there was no one to protect or provide from. Well, listen, be honest. Is that you? You're not a Muslim. Your book isn't the Quran. The Bible says 
that God loves you as a father loves his child. He'll provide for you, protect you, care for you, take care and even carry you when you can't walk. So the Bible says, be an imitator of God as beloved children. Walk in love because if you're born again, you're not fatherless. You're his beloved child. Live like it. Want more? Ask for Ishmael's secret. Feeling like your walk with God could use a real spiritual boost? We got the answer. A free subscription to Sapphire's warning used as directed. It can revolutionize your walk for victory. Also, the incredible, the mystery of the temple doors all free. You'll love it. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to minister with me in two of the most exciting ministries, to beam the word of life around the earth by shortwave radio to every tribe and tongue and to Israel. The Jewish people who gave you the gospel, just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 and you'll have a tremendous part in the end time ministry. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. Here's how. It's right to the nice Jewish boy, box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. The nice Jewish boy, box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, you are loved. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah, Haben, the Son of God. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of the program, Truth to Ponder. Want to change directions. I, I really, I, I look at this first segment of the program today. I look at what I had in my desk, what I had planned to talk about, and all of that has been pushed to the side. It can wait till some other day. But this half hour, I want to spend, actually it's less than a half hour, but I want to spend the remainder of the program on a on a different topic. Now, I recognize that this program airs on international shortwave. It is heard as a podcast. And on the weekends, it goes out on additional radio stations, including international shortwave, reaching other continents outside of North America. And what I'm going to be sharing in this segment applies worldwide. Has nothing to do with any particular government. It has to do with our calling and our obligations as Christians. I want you to look at Proverbs 22 and verse 6, but I want to show the other verses around it. We all know the verse, many of us do, as train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. From the King James. But understand some of the other verses around it that really give it a context. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. That is verse 4 of, of Proverbs 22. Thorns and snares are in the way of the froward. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. Then it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. One of the things that the church, Christians, used to do, used to do back in the day, 
I'm going to say some things in this segment, and then I'll explain why I'm feeling so strongly about these things that I want to share. There was a time that the church, I'm looking and I'm thinking in terms of the United States, I'm thinking in terms even of Great Britain hundreds of years ago, and other places around the world, educational institutions were founded and run and administered by people of the Christian faith. Some of the finest universities, or what used to be, in my opinion, the finest universities in the United States, were founded as Christians, Christian institutions, but not anymore. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, they were all divinity schools. Now they are schools of Satanism, wokeism, foolishness, and folly. And whatever little religious overtones they have is a false gospel, hell-bound overtone. The church, over the years, allowed the state to get into education. When this country was founded, the United States, and the same was true in Canada and other parts of the world, the schools were often administered in communities, they would hire a teacher, and you often had a religious leader in the community. Many times the schoolhouse and church house, they were the same building. And nobody ever screamed separation of church and state. It never happened. It does now. There was a man born in the 1800s, in 1859 to be exact. His name is John Dewey. And, and a lot of people may understand that he is considered, shall we say, the, the founder of public education in the United States. What a lot of people don't understand about Dewey, he was an avowed atheist, and he is a key figure in the rebirth of modern humanism. Now, he also liked the idea of how the Soviet Union, this idea of a communist country, was a good idea in his book. So you look at where public education ended up going over time. The foundations of public education in the United States are from an atheist whose worldview differed from Christians. Yet, over time, many communities allowed the state to take over education. Did it get better? Not necessarily. I think today it would be safe to say that most eighth grade graduates in the 1800s prior to public education had vastly more understanding of the English language, mathematics, and history than many high school seniors do today from a public institution. Education is a crisis to me in the United States. Over the years, especially in my lifetime, now I was fortunate when I was much younger, I went to a Christian school until the eighth grade. 
Then we moved to a small town in upstate New York, and there was no Christian school nearby. But public education then wasn't hostile to people of faith. And I will admit that I got a pretty decent education. But over time, I've observed in many areas how that education has gone downhill, how there is an open hostility to people of faith from public education. And public education is being used to talk about transgenderism, homosexuality, and all kind of other strange things to young people. And they tell these young people, don't talk to your parents. During our time of online schools, many parents found out just how bad their public education was by observing online class. And you have school districts now demanding parents sign an agreement not to observe. They don't want you to see. If they were proud of what they were doing, they wouldn't mind a parent observing. Oh, they use all kind of excuses. Oh, privacy, this, that. No, they're ashamed of being discovered for what they're doing. About two weeks ago, a concerned mother of one of the largest school districts in the United States. She slammed them for the sexually explicit books that could be found in the high school's library. And she called them pornography for their graphic descriptions. Now, this is Fairfax County in Virginia. In Virginia. You know, Fairfax County is very close to Washington, D.C. That's where all the secular bureaucrats that work in D.C. live, work, and play. And so these are some of the most woke school districts in the United States. Now, I'm going to play just a little bit of what this mother had to say. And what she had to say, I've listened to it a couple of times. And she read to the school board some of the material from the book. I'm not going to share all of it. I don't want to offend anybody, but you'll get the idea. And boy, the school board, listen to their reaction, and I'll be right back. After seeing a September 9th school board meeting in Texas on pornography in the schools, I decided to check the titles at my child's school, Fairfax High School. The books were available and we checked them out. Both of these books include pedophilia, sex between men and boys. Both books describe different acts. One book describes a fourth grade boy performing oral sex on an adult male. The other book has detailed illustrations of a man having sex with a boy. The illustrations include fellatio, sex toys, masturbation, and violent nudity. Pedophilia here. From the author, Maya Kobabe. I need to stop right here, because for the next 20 or 30 seconds, she read items from those books from the school library in Fairfax County, Virginia. I mean, she just read from the books. 
And, and to be honest, I can't play what she said on the radio. This is a parent saying, this is what we're finding in the school library. Now, they, the, the school board sitting up there wearing their face diapers and getting all uncomfortable tried to gavel her down, afraid there might be some young people, <laughs> there might be some young people in the audience, you know, there could be children, could be a high school student, we don't. What it really was, they were found out, and they wanted to shut her down, and this mother, God bless her, wasn't having any of it. This is not an oversight at Fairfax High I'm School. I'm sorry. This material, there are children in the audience here. Do not interrupt my time. Do not interrupt my time. I would like to remind everybody. I will stand here until my time is restored and my time is finished. These books are in stock and available in the libraries of Robinson, Langley, and Annandale High School. Pornography is offensive Um, to all people. It is offensive to common decency. It is the reason why the MPAA is our next speaker. Let's face it. Evil hates to be exposed and called out for what it is. It's evil. And somebody in that school, whether the school administration, and most most of these woke administrations in many of these school districts, they kind of know, but they don't want to know, so they can have culpable deniability. But there are elements in so many of our public schools today. They hate your faith if you're a Christian. They despise it. They want to rip that faith out of your child. They want to remold that child in a satanic and secular image. They want that child to look at your faith as nothing more than an ancient fairy tale that needs to be dismissed. They look at it as something that must be purged out of children today. And it's making its way across the United States, particularly in blue Democrat-run states and counties and cities and communities. You as a parent or a grandparent or just somebody that cares, we can't sit on the sideline any longer. And I don't want to hear any of this nonsense. Oh, I can't afford it. We can't do this. It's too hard. I pay taxes. I'm tired of it. No more excuses. Do you want to condemn a generation of children into the hands of Satan? That's what I'm asking. I'm being very blunt. I am sick and tired of the church saying, we can't do this. I Look, I pastored a church. I had a guy one time when we talked about finally getting our own place to worship as we were growing. And this guy said, how do you plan on doing that? I said, I have faith. I have faith that we can do what God has called us to do. And then he came back and looked me straight in the eye in a meeting and said, well, faith is good to a point. To which I said, at what point does your faith end? Jesus told us, if you have faith of just a mustard seed, seed, the smallest seed out there, you can move a mountain. And that is the problem with the Western church today. 
It is faithless. It is wimpy. It is weak. It is lazy, non-functional. And they hide the light or what light they have under a bushel basket. They don't want to embarrass people by letting people know that they are people of faith. Oh, God forbid that I would ever let anybody know that I'm a Christian in public. Don't want to embarrass myself or somebody else. There's an old hymn written back in the mid-1700s. I'm not going to read the whole hymn, but I'm going to share with you a couple of stanzas. Verse 1. Jesus, and shall it ever be a mortal man ashamed of thee, ashamed of thee whom angels praise, whose glory shine through endless days. A lot of people today are ashamed of Jesus. Verse 4, here's one. Ashamed of Jesus, that dear friend, on whom my hopes of heaven depend. No, when I blush, be this my shame, that I no more revere his name. See, this is where the church is. It's one thing to talk about that Jesus stuff when we're here at church. We can't talk about him anywhere else. We might offend somebody. You want to know something? I don't care who gets offended anymore. Jesus demands. You know, you confess me before everybody else if you want me to confess you before my father. But the lazy church today, oh, no, 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 can't make any waves now. No, we, no, we have to tone it down. Early Christians lost their life for the faith. They were hunted down for their faith. They lost their jobs for their faith. They were despised for their faith. Today, the lazy Americanized, Canadianized, UKized, or, uh, you know, Australianized Christian, too many of them, are ashamed of Jesus. They don't want to do the work. They complain. They, they, they murmur all the time. Oh, this is too hard. I can't afford this. I, what do you mean I'm supposed to give to, you the, the, to the work? They're offended. And we wonder why the world is in the condition that it is today. We wonder why you have sick scientists creating deadly bioweapons and then trying to cover their tracks up with a questionable virus, uh, well, a questionable vaccine from a questionable virus, man-made. And we wonder, how do we get to this point where politicians can openly say, oh, I'm kind of pro-life, but I'm also pro-abortion. You're lukewarm. Take a stand. If you can't take a stand for your faith, then get out of what it is you can't, you know, I mean, make a decision. Are you a politician or a follower of Christ? If you have to compromise your faith because of your position in government, then get out of government. Don't be a phony. Don't be double-minded, double-tongued, and lukewarm. 
That's why our world is literally going to hell faster than I ever believed it could go. I, I would have thought 30 years ago, we have plenty of time left. Not anymore. That window is closing. Even if we get a little respite sometime in the next months or... I, I believe what would happen if the truth of everything ever came out for a while. And if we as Christians got a little respite, would we waste that respite? I've got a friend of mine that just graduated from seminary. Has his Master of Divinity now. He's very young. He's in his early 20s. An exceptional student. And he and I have been communicating on what now does God call him to do. He's not married, still living at home because he's been a perpetual student. And my heart tells me he needs to get into Christian education. Now, perhaps we cannot build a lot of brick and mortar buildings like maybe we could 50 years ago. But we can use technology. We could have homeschool co-ops, we could have a handful of teachers using technology to teach many financially very efficiently and train them up in the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we don't do it, we're neglecting what God has called us to do. I am sick and tired of the church that complains what it cannot do and it will not do. If your church is a complaining church that says we can't do this, disband. You're not a church. You're not followers of Christ. You're nothing but a moose club with a spiritual overtone. I've had it. I have had it with the woke church that teaches damnable doctrines that are sending people straight to hell. The Gospel Coalition is a fake and phony group allowing heresy and immorality into the camp. Bible says, get that sin out of the camp. St. Paul says, get that sexual immorality out of the church and train your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord and don't hand your responsibility of your children to a secular state that hates your faith. Do you believe on our ministry? Visit our website. If you can financially support us, we have a new address, and I'll give it again tomorrow or on Monday. Truth to Ponder, 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248. I know that's a lot of numbers. 5753, Highway 85 North, 3748 is the box number. Crestview, Florida, 32536. Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248, Crestview, Florida, 32536. And until we get it together again very soon next week, may God richly bless you is my prayer. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.